It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome back to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. Today's guest, Trevor Sikama from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Network. But first, I want to remind everybody, you can find the Giants Settle Podcast and all of your Giants podcasts and the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and on your favorite podcast platforms. And now, now let's get on to our guest. If you guys can, I can see Trevor. If you're listening to this, you can't see him. He's still floating on the euphoric cloud of joy lifted up by Tom Brady of his Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off a Super Bowl championship. Trevor, how are you, man? I am doing great, John. I appreciate you having me on the show. And yeah, it's, you know, people still ask like, oh, what's it been like? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, your hometown team won the Super Bowl. It really doesn't even feel real. Tampa's been so bad for so long that it's just like within one calendar year, Brady, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, the whole team came together, boom, they won a Super Bowl. It's not supposed to be that easy. It's not supposed to work out like that, but it did. It was a wild ride and it was a lot of fun to watch. Look, just talk to Giant fans about 07 and 11, midway through those years. No Giant fan thought they were in the Super Bowl that year either. It's just funny how those things kind of just come together sometimes. Yeah. And that's, and that's why the NFL is great, right? Because it could happen any team any year. Yep, no doubt about it. That's why it's so exciting. You see so much great turnover from teams and coaches, different rosters, front, off, front office people, and anything can happen. You know, a winning window can form overnight, and that's why the offseason, what we're doing right now, that's why it's so exciting. And that's why the NFL draft is so exciting. And yes. surprisingly, we did not have Trevor on to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know you folks out there are shocked about that, but we didn't. He's going to talk some draft. As I mentioned, you can find them at the Draft Network. They do a lot of great stuff there. Also, the host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. So, Trevor, let's get into the draft here. When it comes to the Giants, everyone wants to start the offense. With these interviews, that's what I always start with. The draft is heavy on offense. So let's throw a curveball here. Let's start defense. It's not a defense-heavy draft at the top of this draft class. But if you're sitting there at 11 for the Giants, who are the guys that you realistically think are worth that that value at 11th overall that play on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I mean, specifically when you look at what the Giants might be targeting, you know, they need a big time edge rusher, like a pure edge rusher. You know, Leonard Williams, he, he turned out to be a fantastic trade for them. And that was good, everything working out. But he's versatile, right? You play him on the interior a little bit. He's sometimes more of a five tech defensive end. He's not that pure pass rusher, edge rush kind of presence. And so, you know, when you, if, if you're using like the draft networks prospect ranking or their mock draft machine or something, you sort edge and you go, okay, the Giants are on the clock at 11. You look at a guy like Quiddy Pay, who's the uh, the edge rusher from Michigan, and he's the first name that you see there. And Quiddy Pay is good. You know, he's a very stout, strong defensive end, but he's more of that kind of like five tech player, even stronger player, to where you can motion him inside a little bit. I see him. He's, he weighs less, and so it's a little bit different of a projection, but he kind of fills the role and the versatility that you would already have with Leonard Williams. And so, even though Quiddy Pay would be fine, I, you know, I was doing a mock draft earlier this week and I actually had Quiddy Pay go to the Giants. I picked him for number 11 and the second I did I was like, "No, nah, that's not it." Like like they can do better. They can do better than that. They they got a different edge rusher that they can get. And when you think of some players who could really play that more wider style and have a big impact, man, Jalen Phillips, if everything checks out with him, you know, he had a lot of concussions when he was at uh UCLA, had other couple injuries as well, almost was done with football entirely, but this is a former number one overall recruit in the country when he committed to UCLA, the edge rusher there. And so he pops over to Miami. He goes, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not done with football. He transfers over to Miami, gets a fresh start. And 
this second half of this season, he put it on. And I mean, he is big, long, athletic, and guys who are his size just should not be able to move as well as he does on the end. And so when you talk about these high impact players, these players that you're going to pick with a top 12 overall selection, he's a guy that I'm definitely looking at to potentially be an option for him. His running mate at Miami, though we didn't get to see it this year, Gregor Rousseau, that's another edge rusher I think Giants fans should keep an eye on. He plays a lot of different positions too. And depending on how versatile they want to get, I mean, he's played wide nine, he's played five tech, he's played four eye, even played a little bit of nose because yep. <laughs> he's six foot five. He's got crazy length. I think he's crazy strong, but he's a little bit raw given the fact that he was just a sophomore last year when we watched him because he opted out this year. So we didn't get to see the tape. You know, you put him in all of these different posi- positions. People go, oh, well, he doesn't know what he's doing yet. Of course, he didn't know what he's doing yet. His first year when he showed up to college, he was working on his weight. He was making sure that he got his weight up, filled out his frame, and he did that. And then his second year, they're playing him in all these different positions. Of course, he doesn't have anything mastered yet. And by the way, he wasn't a defensive lineman in high school either, right? He Wasn't he playing wide receiver or something crazy like that? Yes. So I actually did an interview with him, and I was asking him about all these different positions that he played. And yeah, he played like so many different positions in high school. So Gregor Rousseau, the story of him, the football story has been, this guy is so talented. We want to play him anywhere we can. The NFL talent level is going to go up. Obviously it's professional football. It's the highest grade you can get. They're going to hone him in on one position. I think that he's going to be fine. He's going to learn it. And it might be a little bit of a learning curve for him. But when you talk about positions that the giants might really target in the first round edge rushers, where I'm going. And those are the names that I might consider if I'm looking at 11. Yeah. So Trevor, I guess let's stick with the position for a second here. To me, then, this would open up a window. Let's say one of those top four quarterbacks happens to drop down to number 11 and maybe a team wants to trade up. To me, if the Giants trade down into that 17 to 20 area, that seems like the gold mine for this group of edges, right? Because you talked about these guys. They have a lot of talent. I'm going to throw Jason Owe into the mix, who's a yeah. physical freak. But he had, I think he had like no production last year in terms of sacks, right? So all these edge rushers have top-end talent. But every one of them has like this little thing where you're like, this is what I worry about. So could that position be a better fit if the Giants do some sort of trade down? They can, definitely. Uh, Problem is that uh, general manager Dave Gettleman, he's not very susceptible to trade downs. It's just not really what's been in his history. Not that I'm sure he hasn't been close to being doing it in, in the past, but it's just been not part of his draft day history or at least something that, uh, that that he wants to consider he loves staying at his spots and so i've thought about that as well i've thought about hey you know if the giants really want to go after edge rusher with their first pick they don't have to sit at 11 they can move back and get some extra draft capital if they want to do that they could also if they want to go offensive uh, offensive side of the ball which i'm sure that we're going to get to you might be able to get some really nice pass rushers at the top of the second round if you want you know Aziz Ojolari is a guy who i love from georgia who he's a player who okay he might have limitations as like a total three down defensive lineman. But when you really want a pass rusher in there, when you really want a guy to pin his ears back and attack the outside shoulders of offensive tackles and just go after the quarterback, few edge rushers in this class did it better than Ojolari did. You mentioned Jay Noah from Penn state there. Yeah. He's, he's still figuring stuff out, but dude, he is, he is an athletic Marvel. And, and I mean that that is, no shock to anyone who's followed Penn State. Penn State's got some crazy athletic guys that have come through the program over the last couple of years. Miami pass rusher Quincy Roche. He's another guy who could be a stand-up guy who could give you a lot from a speed element on the outside. He was at Temple for a couple of years, then transferred over to Miami himself. And so those are a handful of names. And I think the Giants are honestly in a really good spot for edge rusher, whether they want to go in the first round or the second round, they can fill that need with a couple of different guys that somebody's going to be left for them in the second round. And I think that's going to happen. So they're in a good spot there. 
How do you view Micah Parsons, you personally and at the Draft Network? I watched about an hour of his tape this morning. And it's funny. I need to watch linebackers a long, long time and a lot of their games. And you can't just watch plays, right? You have to watch games and see how they read things, how they react. It's such a field position, that linebacker spot. The thing that I like is that he's athletic enough to do everything. He can run. He can take on blockers you know, inside the box, which a lot of linebackers don't do now that are like 210 pounds. Right. Actually take on an offensive lineman or a fullback, disengage, make a play. Is he a true top 10 worthy Devin White type of linebacker? I mean, when you watch his tape, it's hard not to see a guy like Devin White, right? I mean, like Micah Parsons just moves so well, so explosively. I mean, he's played edge rusher before in his past, and now he played more off-ball linebacker. That Cotton Bowl tape that we saw from 2019 against Memphis, that's one of the best prospect tapes you could watch of anyone in this entire class. Defense, offense, doesn't matter the position. You watch Penn State's uh, Cotton Bowl against Memphis, and it's it's one of the best tapes that you'll absolutely see. He's got fantastic speed, and his coverage instincts, look, yeah, I think that they need a little bit of work, but when I say work, I'm, I'm just talking about reps. We, we saw flashes of what he was able to do in coverage and how he could read quarterbacks, and when he was able to anticipate He's so good and so athletic that he could put himself right in the path of where the ball's coming. That means that turnovers are coming as well. He's fantastic when you green dog blitz him up the, uh, up the a gap or the B gap. When you, you give him a chance to do that late, he could come off the edge. Dude, he could do it all. He really can do it all. I, I think that he's probably going to end up as a top 10 overall talent for me in this class. Do you guys have concerns about his off the field stuff? I know there are whispers about that. Some people seem to take him more seriously than others. Yeah. So, I mean, we've certainly heard that as well, um, but it's, it's not been anything concrete. We're kind of in the situation that everybody else is at this point where I have not had anybody tell me 100% this happened or this happened, but when there's smoke and I'll say that like when there's this much smoke, you've got to at least pay attention to it. We've got multiple parties now all coming together, kind of saying the same thing of like, hey, I've heard there might be some off the field issues with Micah Parsons. And you got to at least put that on your radar. I, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't have anything concrete for it, but there have been enough parties from, from, from different spots that have all kind of come out and had these concerns. It makes me think, okay, this isn't just fabricated. There's something here you wonder just what the severity of it is. You wonder what the level of it is there. And I think that's why teams are going to have it cut out for them here, doing research on these prospects with you know, less time to get to know them at the combine, less time to get to know them at senior bowl, no things like on that. Campus. Right. It's going to be such a different feel of how they information gather and background check a lot of these guys. And so I think the best scouting staffs are going to certainly show themselves this April. How about the top cornerbacks in, in this class, Trevor? As it is, cornerback is a highly volatile position, to say the least, when you're picking in the first round. I mean, Jeffrey Okuda last year was the consensus, one of the best corners that come out in years. He struggled his rookie year. So how do you see this class, and especially the two guys that, that seem to be the consensus top of the class, Patrick Sertain and Caleb Farley, are they truly top 10 value picks or are they simply the two best guys on top of the class? No, these guys are really good. And, and you know, playing corner, somebody told me this a while ago and I never forgot it. Playing rookie corner 
in the NFL as a starter, it's like drinking water through a fire hose. You have so much coming <laughs> at like you that. at once. You're almost, it's just overwhelming. You know, you're, you're trying to learn yourself. Okay. Different kinds of scheme and techniques that, okay, I'm learning to do this in this coach's defense. I'm learning how to feed off of this safety like this, the, uh, the zone coverage with this linebacker in this way. You're also trying to study film of all these wide receivers. Think of a rookie wide or think of a rookie corner trying to cover Devonte Adams one week. You know, it's just, like these are the things that you have to try to learn in a rookie season while there's so much also going on from you or going on with you on the outside of your life as well as you become a young man and come into your own with adulthood and all of these things go into the thing that we see on the field and the professionalism that you have in your sport and so man it's just so hard to start as a rookie corner. And so when I say that, I kind of wanted to say that a little bit like, Hey, I, I thought Jeffrey Yakuta was good. Just like everybody else is, but you certainly got to give him time, give him his chance to get his lumps in. And we hear it all the time. Even the best corners get beat. It certainly happens to rookies as well as they learn it. But going back, Caleb Farley, fantastic cover three corner. You want an off guy. He's played wide receiver before he knows exactly what wide receivers are thinking. He's got a knack for the ball. He's got those ball skills. He's still learning man coverage. And I think that that's something that's going to have to develop throughout the NFL as he hones in on his technique and he gets more reps doing. It. But if you want an off coverage cover three guy for you right now, he can shut it down. Patrick Sertan, he's kind of the same way. And I'll throw JC Horn's name in there as well. The corner from South Carolina. I think it's a three man race. I really is because Horn plays with so much confidence. You love that about the position. And it's taken him a little bit to get to the point where he's talked about in that same group with these guys. But man, his tape this past year was fantastic. I watched a couple of reps of him, especially versus Kyle Pitts in that game against Florida, where ain't many corners or ain't many defenders, period, who played Kyle Pitts with the sense of confidence that J.C. Horn had against him. And so that was a lot of fun to watch you know that the game is not going to be too big for him at the NFL level. And as he is the son of former uh, wide receiver, Joe Horn, you figured that that would be the case. And so I really think it's those three dudes. I think that Caleb Farley gives you a better cover three pro- profile right now. But if you want a man coverage corner on day one, Patrick Sertan and G- and uh, JC Horn, those are the two dudes who could help you. How deep is the cornerback class? If you the Giants want a guy that can be a starting cornerback in the NFL, should they definitely pick one at 11? Or can they wait till the second or maybe even the third round this year? You can maybe get away with it in the top of the second round. Like if, if a guy like Eric Stokes can fall to you from Georgia, um, Melifonwu, the corner from Syracuse, Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern. If you might be able to get one of those three guys, if you're the Giants, because you're picking relatively soon in the second round, there's a chance you could wait for it and get corner then. After that, it's 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 yeah, you it's don't sound that tough. confident, dude. I gotta be it's, right. It's it's just gonna be it's just gonna be tough. And you talk about how important the position is, right? I mean, everybody kind of emphasizes the three cornerstone positions of the game of football are the passer the pass rusher and the pass protector, right? Left tackles, edge rushers, quarterbacks. Those are the three pillars of football, but you can, you can almost say shut down corner and an important cornerback is, is right there at number four, right behind those three. And so with that being so important, and especially with teams loading their offenses with all kinds of offensive weapons of the passing game nowadays, you know that teams are just reaching for corners. They've got to put good corners out there to match up against some of these really good wide receivers and tight ends. And so, I think if the Giants waited and wanted to take one in the second round, I think they'd be okay. They could get a good one at the top of the second round. You wait till the third round, you're basically picking a guy and you're kind of taking a flyer on him and you're hoping you could develop him. And that's probably what they're looking at. All right, let's get to the main event then, Trevor. If one of those top four playmakers in this draft class, and the fans that don't know, I'm talking about 
tight end Kyle Pitts, who you mentioned earlier, wide receiver, Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase from LSU, Jalen Waddle from Alabama. If one of those four guys were there, would the Giants be nuts to pass on one of those four to draft one of those defensive guys we just talked about? I think... You can say yes, it's okay. (laughs) The the only, and I'm I'm trying to think about it, the only player that I would consider on the defensive side of the ball over one of those four guys, if they are there, is probably Jalen Phillips from Miami. Like if you've you've done your background work on him, if you know his health is good, if, if you know that he's in good standings in basically every way you can, he'd be a fantastic pick for you. It, it, that, he, he would be worth a top 15 pick. Now he'd be in the conversation. I would probably still lean one of those other guys that would be there just to think about what Kyle Pitts could do in that Giants offense is, is fantastic. You, know, you could play him in multiple tight end sets with Evan Ingram. You could play him in this slot. You could play him on the outside as an X. Jalen Waddle, of course, gives you that trump card of that speed that he has, but he's also got some strength to his game. Devontae Smith, been one of the most productive receivers in college football in Alabama history. It's been incredible to watch his career. And then Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to freak some people out because he doesn't really look like a wide receiver. Somebody was, I was having a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago and they said like, he almost like looks like a smaller running back out there playing wide receiver. He just looks like he knows what he's doing at wide receiver. And the build, I think messes with people, but it's so hard to find a wide receiver like Jamar Chase, who is as good as he is at getting off press coverage going into the NFL, because that's just not something a lot of wide receivers see a ton of in college. There's not a lot of corners in college football who can correctly play that close press coverage. And so wide receivers don't really have to learn how to get off of it in college. They go to the NFL, all kinds of corners know how to play press coverage. And then they struggle. They struggle to separate. They start to get lost in their own abilities. Jamar Chase, boom, you draft him right away. He's fantastic. And that all that to say, Giants need the weapons. Giants got to put everything they possibly can around Daniel Jones this year. You hope that Saquon's as healthy and as good as he's ever been before, but then you need that offense and those passing weapons to be as good as they could possibly be because Jones is coming into crunch time. You know, you're, you're talking about the fourth and fifth year of his contract. You're talking about long-term ideas with him. And so you've got to get another, I think, big time passing weapon in front of him to help that Giants offense out. All right, let's take a look at these. Before we look at these guys individually, these top four wideouts, which are the top four playmakers? I kind of throw Kyle Pitts into the mix. Which one of those four, Trevor, do you think has the best chance of being there when the Giants select at 11th? I would tell you, uh, I think Kyle Pitts has the least amount of chance to be there when they pick at 11. Even less than Jamar Chase, huh? Yes, I would tell you that Jamar Chase has the second least and then Jalen Waddle has the third. I think that they're kind of close. And then I would tell you Devontae Smith is probably the most likely to be there at 11. Interesting. All right, so let's talk about Devontae Smith. The Giants really need, Trevor, that X-wide receiver, right? They have Darius Slayton who can kind of be that deep threat down the field. Shepard's a really good slot guy. But they don't have that guy that can run all the routes on the route tree, win outside at all levels of the defense. Is Devontae Smith that type of guy despite his slider frame? I, I don't think he is. I mean, when you when you watch a lot of what was the brilliance, and I, I want to make sure that I say this correctly because I want to give him his props. He was brilliant in so many ways in college football. A lot of times you saw Devontae Smith do it against off coverage or with a, a step behind the line of scrimmage as a flanker wide receiver. So he's not having to deal with immediate press. His release has been fantastic. He's so smooth in what he's doing at the beginning of his route stem. And so all of that, allowed him to be such a threat in college football. 
I don't think he gets afforded that luxury in the NFL, especially not as an X receiver. You're not going to want to put him up on the line of scrimmage. Now, I think that he knows what to do against press, but let's face it. He's about six feet tall, and he probably played football this year at 165 pounds. The profile for wide receivers of that size, and even, shoot, even if you want to throw another 10 pounds on the guy, the profile of wide receivers who have succeeded in the NFL, not just been drafted, succeeded, because we're talking about a first-round pick here, is so, so small. The big one is Deshaun Jackson. You're talking about multi-thousand-yard season with Deshaun Jackson, and you know, he, he had the four, two speed, you know, like he, he was a deep threat guy. He was a, okay, I'm going to get by you. You're, you're already going to give me cushion because I'm so fast. I think Devonte Smith is a good athlete. I don't think he's a Deshaun Jackson kind of an athlete. And so this is where it, it's, it's hard for me. I love so much of Devonte Smith's game, but I'm so worried that when corners get stronger and when corners get faster and when they're much more willing to play press and up and close against Devonte Smith, what he's going to look like. And I just don't think it's going to be as effective because I don't think that he has that trump card that those other guys do that I talked about before. He may just turn out to be, hey, his game is so all around good, it doesn't matter. And maybe that's the case, but right now I'm not so sure that's the case. And it's funny, once Jalen Waddle got hurt, I feel like they kind of shifted Smith into the Waddle role, right? He kind of moved into the slot a lot and he ran a lot of those routes into open zone coverages. So Waddle was the number one when the season started at Alabama. He was their featured guy. A lot of people call him a slot Trevor, but he's not your traditional slot, right? He's not that Cole Beasley type that's going to run all these like change of direction patterns. He's an explosive, deep receiver. So if you're the Giants and you decide, all right, Jalen Waddle's my guy. He's there. We want to pick him. How does he fit in then with Slayton, with Shepard, kind of meshing their skill sets together? Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about a name that you left out there with Golden Tate and, and what they've wanted to get from him as a yard after the catch guy. There's no better player, I think, in this class, certainly. Well, you could throw Rondale Moore in there if you really like Rondale Moore, Kadarius Tony as well, but the very top has got to be Jalen Waddle. You get the ball in this guy's hand on a quick pass, he could take it 90 yards to the house at any time. He's also, like you said, he's a great field stretcher. He could attack vertically. He can go get the ball deep in the air. And so, you know, when I watched Henry Ruggs last year, I thought he was more physical than a lot of people were giving him credit for. Like I thought that Henry Ruggs could go up and get a contested catch and he had some strength in there. And yeah, he had the incredible speed, of course, but he also was stronger at the catch point. I think the same of Jalen Waddle and people are going to sit here and they'd be like, well, Ruggs stunk his first year. Okay. You know, Ruggs was certainly getting his confidence in his first year. You know, I, I think that he was dealing a lot of finding his place in the offense, trying to make an impact one way or the other. And I think that there were some times when he failed at doing that, but again, you go back to, it's a rookie. He's learning. You can't totally judge on that alone. But when the skill sets show up, Felt like Jalen Waddle was at the same thing. I, I feel like he played stronger than the narrative allowed. They said, okay, is one of the fastest guys in football. And you want to give him his props as one of the fastest guys in football because he absolutely was. But I think he gives you more strength than that. I think that he gives you that upside to get those contested catches, those deep ball passes over the shoulder, deep down the field, through the middle, up the seam, to the sideline, all that kinds of stuff. Jalen Waddle gives you the ability to really attack a defense in a lot of different ways. And I think that's why he's so good. You talked about this a little bit already. Jamar Chase is a different type of wide receiver. And I think one underrated part of playing receiver, especially in the NFL, is power. You see DeAndre Hopkins play with strength. You see Michael Thomas play with strength. Can you talk a little bit about when you look at a guy like Chase, who might not run a 4-4-2 and he's not 6-4, 6-5, but how he turns his unique skills into production and why, in your guy's opinion, 
he is that number one wide receiver on the board this year. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about receivers that play to a big strength without having like elite, like next level athleticism with their feet. You you named uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown during his prime and Quan Bolden as well, right? These are players who seem to dominate even without being elite separators because of how strong they were, whether it was off the line of scrimmage or when the ball was coming their way. And so obviously all of those guys, it became refined and smooth and nuanced at the position as things went on a couple of them, the greatest to play the game in the moments that they were playing it. And so when you look at Jamar chase, you say, all right, you have that similar profile where it's like, okay, he's not going to be an elite separator because of how flexible he is or because of how fast his feet move or because of how fast he could put his foot in the, in the ground and change direction. But I think he just brings so much of it all together. And I think it revolves around that strength. And, you know, I talked before about the build of his body doesn't often look like a wide receiver. And I think that's just because he carries a lot of power with him, a lot more power than wide receivers normally do. And going back to him getting off press, I think that's why he's an instant starter in the NFL. And I think he's an instant, really good starter in the NFL already knows how to get off press has the strength to do it. It's not like it's something he's got to work with or his techniques got to be perfect. He knows exactly how to do it. He's got it in the back of his mind and then he knows what to do after that record breaker when he was with Joe Burrow and they were opening up that pass game for LSU back in 2019. And I think that you're going to see that similar kind of success. Well, similar kind of success. I don't want to say record breaking in the NFL right away, but you're going to see him win a lot early on in the NFL, even more than other receivers because of that strength that you mentioned. We'll get to Kyle Pitts in a second, but first fans want to remind you that Giant fans should get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants branded debit card, security features, and the discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. And the New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Kyle Pitts, you said you think he's the guy that's least likely to be there at 11. Yeah. He's that much of a freak show because you hear, you know, tight end, top seven, top eight. People are like, whoa, what's going on here? Why is Kyle Pitts different? I'll, I'll tell you why he's different. It, it's because the emphasis that we're seeing around the league right now on play action. And when you allow yourself to have multiple tight ends on the field, when you can go into 12 personnel, when you can go into 13 personnel, two, three tight ends on the field, you make defenses respect the run threat. And when you also have a guy who plays the tight end position, who is as good of a wide receiver as you want him to be. I mean, you got to think about this too. A linebacker can't guard Kyle Pitts, a safety on their own, right? Like a safety on their own, probably can't guard Kyle Pitts, which means all of a sudden when Pitts is on the field, you've got to have multiple sets of eyes on him at all times. Well, you know, if you're going heavy personnel, if you've got 12 personnel on the field, those guys also have to be worried about the gap. So they've got to be worried about if it's a handoff because they don't want to get gashed in the run game. That's a lot easier than a pass. So I think that Kyle Pitts, what he presents to you as a tight end, even though, look, of course, he's not the most dense guy. It's not like he's going to be blocking guys out to the sideline and through the opposing team's benches, but I think he's fine as a blocker. I don't think he's a total liability as a blocker. And with that being said, he brings so much value to what you can do with multiple tight end sets. And we see that's where the league is going, not just in the passing game, but especially with play action. Then outside of that, when you spread him out wide, he's shown that he could be a slot wide receiver. He's shown that he could play on the line of scrimmage outside of the sideline as an X. Like you were talking about a giant, the, the giants have a big need at that. And so he knows how to get off press coverage. He could be a mismatch for corners that are on the outside. Basically everywhere you put this guy, 
he can be a chess piece advantage for your offense. And I think that's really what allows Kyle Pitts to transcend where we think a tight end can potentially be drafted. Because I go back to 2007. That was Evan Ingram's draft. Also in that draft, we saw OJ Howard and we saw David Njoku. And we talked about all three of these guys and we're like, this is one of the best top end tight end classes we have ever seen, right? I mean, like these guys could, OJ Howard's going to change the position throughout the rest of the league. Evan Ingram's going to be this incredible blend of wide receiver and tight end. David Njoku is it, it just if so physically gifted in what he could do. I remember people had OJ Howard as like a top five player in their class over overall of any position. OJ Howard didn't go till 19. And he was the first tight end off the board. And I remember people looked at that and said, look, the league just doesn't uh, just doesn't value tight ends like that. I think that's because that class was a little bit early on the trend that we see in football now. And I think that the NFL is really ready for those tight ends to make an impact like that. Like we saw with TJ Hawkinson going 10 overall a couple of years ago. I think Kyle Pitts is going to go higher than that. And I think that's why. All right, if the Giants don't get that playmaker at 11 and they say, oh, man, we better get one here in the second round, luckily it's a deep wide receiver class. But I'm not sure how deep it is with outside X-style wide receiver. So if the Giants do have to wait till round two, who are some of the guys you like in that range that could still be on the board? So round two, it's kind of, you know, you look at wide receiver rankings and you think, okay, that kind of Golden Tate, after the catch receiver might be there before an X receiver that you might like. Cause you look at guys like Dwayne Eskridge for the wide receiver from Western Michigan, Rondale Moore, the wide receiver from, from Purdue. If Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver from Florida makes it there. These are all guys who fit that bill. Those more inside guys you can get to quick. They can do magic with the ball in their hands and they can make things happen after the catch. If they wanted a true X, the guys that I look to down the board Nico Collins potentially could be that guy, but I don't know if you need to draft him at the top of the second round. I guess I guess it's kind of a crapshoot exactly where these guys are going to go. So I'll just say Nico Collins is one name to look out for. Seth Williams, the wide receiver from Auburn, I think that he's getting slept on a little bit. I think he could really bring you that outside X wide receiver role. And then Sage Surratt, he's a, he's a guy who I loved going into summer scouting, and, and he didn't play this season because of COVID-19, and I think a lot of people forget about him. He's another guy who it's like, okay, He's a big dude. He's a stronger dude. He's not the fastest guy out there, but man, he just wins so much on the line of scrimmage and with, with contested catches and he's so much fun. And so if I'm the giants and you're not getting a Kyle Pitts at 11 second or th even maybe third round, you have that opportunity to take a guy like Seth Williams, like Nico Collins, like Sage Sherratt. Two guys you didn't mention. And I wonder if it's because you don't think they're going to be there or you don't consider them exes Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall. I would tell you that Terrace Marshall, because he wins so good vertically, would be better as like a flanker wide receiver. Like keep him off the line of scrimmage. Don't let him deal with press because he's tall, right? And everybody sees the, the height and they go, oh, okay, X receiver. He does his best work. I think when you're getting him down the field, when he's running nines, when he's running posts, when you can get him even in a slot and go vertical. So I think that's probably, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't like for him to be an X especially right away. If he can learn how to get off press real well, I mean, more power to him, but I wouldn't put him in X right away. And then Rashad Bateman, I like Rashad Bateman in the slot. You know, like he's so mm -hmm. great with in-breaking routes. He's so nuanced in what he does. He's so smooth in that regard. I wouldn't want him to play X again because the big thing that, that I struggle with here is Bateman's not really going to threaten vertically. No, he is he's not. not right about that. He's the kind of guy who it's like corners can be a little bit more relaxed. They can be more aggressive because they know that, hey, even if Bateman beats them off the line, even if Bateman breaks the press, gets his arms around and starts to go vertical up the field, 
good corners can probably recover and get close to him because he just doesn't, he's not a blazer down the field. And so that element also goes into what an X receiver is all about. And that's why I think that Bateman, you're getting more bang for your buck. If you leave him inside, if you let him play in the slot and you let him torture some CB threes, some linebackers, some safeties coming down. Cause he'll definitely be able to do that. What do you guys think about the offensive line class? I think obviously Penny Sewell would be a guy that if he's there at 11 would certainly be in consideration. I don't think anyone thinks he will be. How do you see that next group? Is Rashawn Slater a guy that can play guard and tackle? Do you guys see him more as an inside guy? And then any other tackle that you think might be worth a a top 10 selection? Uh, Penny Sewell is fantastic. I I mean, the tape that this dude was putting out there as an 18, 19 year old, right? You got to remember that too. That's something to remember, not just about Penny Sewell, but Trey Lance as well. I mean, they didn't really play this year. Lance had the one game, but Penny Sewell opted out. So all of the Penny Sewell tape that you watch right now is of him as an 18 and 19 year old. And he is, he's so good. He shows you such an incredible athletic profile for a guy who's playing left tackle. I think he's going to be a for sure top 10 pick. He's got to be with how well of an athlete he is. Rayshon Slater, I really like, I, I do. I think he's, I think he's a technician for the position. I think he understands it really well. Gave Chase Young fits a couple of years ago. Everybody talks about that, but he's got so much good tape outside of that as well. The arms are a little short. And if you're, if, if, if you're a team that has like the arm length threshold that we've heard before, he, he might not pass in that regard, but he'd be a fantastic guard as well. I just think he's going to be a really good offensive lineman. He's a player who I would tell you, no matter what, we're going to draft you and let you fail as an offensive tackle before we move you inside. Like we're going to play you at the most valuable position, right or left tackle. See how you do there. If you, if you succeed, heck yeah. If not, then we'll move you inside. And we know that we probably got an all pro guard or at least a, a really good starting guard. I'll tell you though, as I was kind of doing research for this podcast, knowing that we were going to get this offensive question, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state is going to be a Dave Gettleman guy. He is aggressive. He likes to punch these dudes in the mouth quick off the sets. He's very aggressive in what he does. He likes to be physical and no matter what he's doing, whether it's run sets or pass sets, he's got a couple of uh, plays that I was watching the other day on the timeline where he's just burying edge rushers to the ground and finishing these blocks. He's got experience at guard. He's also got experience at left and right tackle. I, I would definitely look for Tevin Jenkins as a target specifically for the New York Giants. Does he get to the second round? Oh, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. So they would have to work some magic, maybe pop back up in the first round if they want to do that. Now, this is a pretty deep offensive tackle class, though, right? Last year, I thought we had a really good group at the top. Everything I've seen it looks like a guy like Alex Leatherwood, for example. I know people told me last year, if he came out, he might have been a first-round pick. He might be sitting there early second round, right? And he's a guy too that I know some people might think eventually play inside, but you have to start him outside first to see if he succeeds. Yeah, no, there's a couple guys like that. I think that Liam Eikenberg might be in the same category, not as a not as a guard tackle hybrid, but a guy who put out really nice tape this year, was very steady at, at Notre Dame. I don't think he's, he's, a, he's a super great athlete, and so it's not like he's firing off the line of scrimmage and pass sets or anything, but I think he's very smooth. I think he looked very controlled all year. I was super impressed when I was able to watch Liam Eikenberg. Jackson Carmen's another guy, very powerful offensive tackle from Clemson. He just brings a lot of power to that game. And so, you know, as you start getting into the second round, really – I've started to like this offensive tackle class a little bit more. And I thought it, I think it got a bad rap early on because there's a lot of guys that you go, okay, they can be tackles or guards. And I think anytime anybody hears that they go, Oh, so they're not good enough to play 
tackle. And that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes it might just be physical limitations. Like if guys don't have super long arms and they know the position really well and they're steady in a lot of different areas, but they just give up the, uh, the length limitations. They show up too much. I think that that could go into consideration. And I really do think that when you looked at this offensive line class, there were so many O-linemen that had that inside-outside versatility that I think people were just straight up like, oh, that must mean it's just not a good class. And I would disagree. I'd push back on that. I think that there's going to be good offensive linemen, even offensive tackles to get in the beginning of the second round, which you don't often get to say. Two more general questions and a prediction. Giant fans aren't going to draft a quarterback, but they probably want as many to go as possible ahead of them. So maybe one of these guys we've talked about will get pushed down to the Giants at 11. How many quarterbacks, Trevor, do you think go in the top 10? And little bonus fun. How many trades do you think happen to acquire those quarterbacks in the top 10? This is, this is, this is the question, right? This is what everybody's trying to figure out with the mock drafts. I think we get at a minimum four quarterbacks that go before the giants at a minimum. That's, that's of course, four going in the top 10 as the giants pick at number 11. I mean, because you look at teams, you figure that the first two they're locks, right? I, I mean, you look at Trevor Lawrence going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Zach Wilson, we think going to the New York Jets at number two, that's already two right off the bat. Miami, they're not going to draft one. And so they're not going to sit at three without a trade. There's too many other teams that need one. Carolina at eight, uh, the Niners at 12, the Patriots at 15. I mean, you look at the Washington football team at 19, the Chicago Bears at 20. All of these teams need a quarterback. And so I, I think that you're going to get Carolina is going to move up for one. The Falcons could potentially take one, although I, I don't think, think that's going to happen. I think that Arthur Smith, his new head coach, is going to want to get an offensive weapon, I believe, that's going to help out his team more. You'll get the Niners wanting to move up and maybe upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I'll tell you, I'll say two trades happen in front of the Giants, and I'll say four quarterbacks go in front of the Giants. I like it. I think I think that's a really good chance of happening. Give me one thing that maybe you believe about this draft class. It can be general about the class. It can be about a specific player. Anything that you think that you're passionate about that enough people aren't talking about it when it comes to the 2021 draft class. We haven't talked about this guy yet. So I'll just, I'll just, I'll just talk about my love for him. People freak out about running backs in the first round. I'm sure the giants fans certainly know all about that with them taking Saquon Barkley number two overall, but whoever drafts Najee Harris, I think is going to be an incredibly happy football team. No matter, no matter what, like I, I've seen him potentially going number 16 to Arizona, 18 to Miami, bunch of teams in the twenties. And a lot of people, I'll see Najee Harris go to these certain places and they go like, no, like no running back in the first round. Like we don't need, I guarantee that those people who, who don't want Najee Harris on draft night are going to love having him as he plays out his, in their career. I think that he's, a back who can impact the game in all three levels. And that's, what's most important. I think he's got very good vision. I think he's got fantastic feet, obviously an unreal athlete for his size. I think he's also a phenomenal dude. He's got great hands in the past the game. He's got the frame to hold up and pass protection. He could be everything you want as, as a running back. And so I know that it's sacrilegious right now to talk about running back value, but all I'll say is that I think the fan base that gets Najee Harris is going to learn to love him, whether it's on draft night or a couple years down the road. In the context that this is ridiculously early and I'm not holding you to it, let's have some fun. Who did the Giants okay. select at 11th overall in the 2021 draft? Let me look. I'm, I'm looking at the I'm 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 looking at the the overall board right now just so I don't forget anybody. Oh, I I said that Devontae Smith would probably be the most likely to get there, but I don't feel like Dave Gettleman's going to take a guy of his size. 
So I will say that they take Jalen Waddle. I'll say Jalen Waddle. And you think that's a good fit? Oh, I think it's perfect. I think it's exactly what they're looking for. Again, you know, you, you're looking at probably moving off from what Golden Tate was brought in to do for this team because you're going to get a 22 year old, 21, 22 year old kid who could do it probably even better than than Golden Tate was. Maybe not as nuanced right away, but the speed and what he could do after the catch—it's just—it's perfect to complement. We talked about this earlier. What the New York Giants want to do right now, you know, they have Evan Ingram at the tight end position. They've got Sterling Shepard to, to to run the good routes for you. They've got Slayton to stretch the field. Waddle is really that missing piece, that last element of passing that I think could really pull it all together for New York. Trevor, tell the folks where they can find all your work and podcasts and everything else you guys are doing. I'm sweating after that prediction, John. I'm sweating, man. No, <laughs> I, I appreciate I really appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun. You can follow my work uh, mainly on Twitter. I guess that's the best way to keep up with me at Tampa Bay Trey, T-R-E at the end. And then uh, to see all, everything that the scouting staff's got going on, you go over to draftnetwork.com. They're running through all their final evals. They're putting everything out. They've got all these player comps and scheme fits and all these round projections, everything, man. We're taking it next level this year. So if you want to learn about any position, any player in the draft, draftnetwork.com. And are you keeping the, the ego of your guy, Solak, your co-host on the Locked On Draft podcast? Or are, you, are you keeping that in check we a are. little bit? He's a little yes. cocky, I'm not going to lie. Yes. No, we, we, no, we, 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 we definitely are. We're, we're keeping that rolling. We're going five days a week on locked on NFL draft. We're having a blast with that as well. And uh, you know, speaking of the, I guess, good timing here over the entire month of March, we are going to be doing that exact thing. We're going to be taking a deep dive into all of the positions in the 2021 NFL draft, giving you our final evals and our rankings for all of those guys. So that's coming up too. Excellent. Trevor, good stuff, man. Talk to you soon. I appreciate it, John. Anytime. Trevor Sikamo, thedraftnetwork.com, and the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. We thank him for joining us. One more reminder, folks, the Giants Huddle Podcast is on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants Mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe if you're an Apple Podcast. Please leave a five-star positive review. For Trevor, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe out there.